Thank you, Preach. Good evening, everyone. I'm so glad to be here tonight. I'm looking forward to having fun tonight. I have fun at church. You have fun at church? Well, some of you don't. I don't know. Man, if I didn't have fun, I'd just stay at home. But anyway, uh, I, I enjoy coming to church. I, I really do. There's times when I go to church and I don't feel like going to church. And when I get there, I promise you this right here. God blesses my heart. He really does. He blesses my heart. And it's the same for all of us. Tonight, I'm going to sort of, I, 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 some of this is going to sound a little bit redundant to a few of you that were here Wednesday night. I'm not going to, it's not the same message. It is different, but I'll use some of the same areas that I was talking about in spiritual warfare. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. We are in a great war. Yeah. We are in a great war. We think this virus situation is a major thing going on right now. But let me tell you something. It's not even compared to the spiritual warfare that we are in as Christians today. You write that down. This virus hasn't taken the Lord Jesus Christ or the Lord our God by surprise whatsoever. And I don't know where it's going. I, I, I don't even really know where it came from. But I know this right here. He has things under control. He has things under control. We just have to trust him. So tonight, if you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 back there. That's where we started the other night. And I'm going to read maybe three or four verses here. Start with, uh, with, with, with verse 12, I believe. Let me look here real quick, get, to my, get my Bible open. should have had it right place. It says there in verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Who's it talking about there? Satan and his adversaries. See, Satan's not like God. He, he, he's not like he's not omnipresent, so he has to have a little bit of help. And I'm going to tell you something. He has a lot more help than we even think he has, to be honest with you. But it says there, man, my page is turned. I've got to slow down a little bit here. But it says there that uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. He doesn't say take part of it. He doesn't say take part of it. He says, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done so all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate the righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's where I stopped the other night. But may we pray real quick as we talk about how to guard our lives and prepare for the battle that we're in. Hey, listen, we're already in the battle. We're already in the battle. The battle, the battle just didn't start. Uh, it's going to get worse according as you read the Word of God. But the armor describes how we are to live our, uh, out a dynamic. He, God wants us to have a dynamic relationship with Him. He wants us to have an intimate relationship with Him. Man, he, he wants us to live a life, really, when it comes down to it, He wants us to live a life that really, if somebody saw God and saw us, that they couldn't tell the difference, to be honest with you. He wants to be that. He wants us to be so much like him. That's why he made us in the image of him. It's a shame that we fail all the time. But let's pray real quick. Father in heaven, I come to you tonight and I just praise you for your holiness. I praise you, Lord Jesus, that as you look down upon us from heaven, Lord, that you just don't wipe us out because I know that we so often fail you during the day. Lord, I know that it is your desire to use us to, uh, to, to, to help people find the joy that we're supposed to have, Lord Jesus, that joy that you give to us when you save us. And Lord Jesus, tonight I pray that you'd help us get up every day and, and make sure that we put the armor on so we can stand for you, Lord Jesus, and that we can make the difference in the community by sharing the 
glorious gospel of peace uh, with those that need to know the gospel. Be there to pick up and lift someone up that's down, Lord Jesus. Would you just use us to be your instruments? And Lord Jesus, I pray tonight with all that are gathered here for that one or two or I don't know how many it may be that never have truly accepted you for what you did on the cross of Calvary. Father, would you just, through the power of the Holy Spirit tonight, would you just pull on their heartstrings until they're willing to surrender and give their life to you. And we ask these things in your precious and high and most holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. We cannot mechanically pray these pieces into our lives. And I want to go back where it says, take up the whole armor of God. And we're, uh, of God. And we're just dealing with a few here tonight. You know, there where it says, your loins in verse 14, girt about with the truth and having a breastplate of righteousness. I talked about the belt Wednesday night. How everything is hooked to the belt. The sword was hooked to the belt. Uh, everything is hooked to the belt. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have your belt tightened, I thought about this. As I, you know, just horses have been on my mind a lot lately. Really have. I watch a lot of country and west, you know, country shows and old westerns and stuff like that. And I, I like to watch these actors. And you can tell the ones that really are cowboys or have some cowboy in them by the way they ride their horse. Uh, you know, I look at things like the bits and the, the parts of the halter and, and things like that that they have on them because some of, these, some of these movies and some of these shows they have, they didn't even make some of these things back then during those days. And I just, it just amazes me to watch some of these people. But I, th I thought about the horse, and I thought about that girt that goes around the horse that holds that saddle on. I, I'm going to tell you something. If that thing is too loose, listen to me. If that thing is too loose, that saddle will slip on you in just a few minutes, and you'll end up under, up under the horse. Isn't that true, sweetheart? She's been there. I've been there. I really have. You, you see a good cowboy, I'm going to tell you something. He'll take and he'll strap that down and he'll strap that saddle on there and he'll walk away from that horse for maybe three or four minutes and then he'll go back over there and he'll pop him on the side of the stomach like that. You know why? Because a horse doesn't, he's just like a, you know, when, you know when you put your belt real, real tight and you ate and all of a sudden you want to let it out a little bit? That horse will swell up and take in air and hold it in. He has the ability to do that. And so then after a few minutes, what he'll do is he'll let go of that. And when you get on that saddle and you're going down there, all of a sudden you find yourself going this way. A good cowboy will go over there and he'll take and he'll slap him on the belly after a few minutes and he'll stretch that leather one more time to get a little bit more bite on it so he makes sure he stays on the back. If it's not a clean girth, it'll give gall balls in there and everything. I'm going to tell you something. You can be sitting on your horse sometimes just sitting still, not paying attention and do a little bit in the saddle like that. One of those guard balls will uh, uh, catch him like that, and he'll run right out from under you before you even know he took off. I've been there. I really have. So, man, we've got to put it on. We've got to tighten it up. We've got to make sure that armor is exactly where it is. And there's no mechanical way that we can take these pieces each and every morning and just do that just by doing that in the morning. Not a step-by-step -step process, to be honest with you. It's not that I do it like this and this is the way I'm going to get all armored up. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it, it's something that uh, God wants us to have that powerful relationship with him. But it's not something that's, that's, uh, that's a ritual that we do. There's not anything about it ritualistic whatsoever. And I don't believe you can, you can armor yourself with, brief, with just brief prayer every morning. And a lot of times in our lives, that's what we find. I believe this is a lifestyle issue of girding ourselves up, of putting on the full armor of God is a, is a lifestyle issue that sometimes takes weeks and months and even years to practice and to cultivate. 
It's not an equipment checklist. It's a manual that we're supposed to learn. It's a manual that we're supposed to live by. It's not that you go through and you check off and I've got everything done today and I'm okay. It's not any way casually to interpret this key passage here on spiritual warfare, to be honest with you. Because, see, we sometimes forget that, listen, I know that Paul has written this right here, but it says that the whole Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, doesn't it? But when it comes down to it, as I said the other night, this is the commander-in-chief, the commander of all chiefs, the Lord God himself speaking to us and speaking to our hearts. And I'm going to tell you something. When he speaks, we need to listen. We really do. You know, I, I even thought about the commander-in-chief. They talk about the commander-in-chief coming out to speak to us and things like that, talking about the prayer. You know, I've had the opportunity because of my positions. I, I've talked to a couple of commanders-in-chief before, the United States of America, brief conversations with them. I've, I've been in the governor's office with about three of the governors that we've had around here and had, sat down and had conversation with them and things like that and everything. And you know something? They're just regular, normal people with a title. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes they walk into a room and because, not because we have respect for them, we think they're somebody. And I'm going to tell you something. I watch people that cower down. I've watched people that bow down to them almost just to, just to be good friends with them. Just to get something they want. Go to Tallahassee or go to Washington and be a lobbyist. Sometimes they will kiss their honeys just to get what they want. And then we have the commander-in-chief that speaks to us through the word of God, and so often we turn a waxed ear. He says, in the, he says in the Old Testament, his ear will get waxed toward, but I hate to say it with many Christians, our ears are waxed a lot to the word of God and to the speaking of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Greek verb for take up full armor, if you study that, it means do it right now. It doesn't mean wait whatsoever. It says to do it right now. It needs to be a top priority in our life. If we're going to be in the spiritual battle that we're in, and if we're going to get the victory in those spiritual battles that is going to come at us, we've got to make top priority in our life that whatever it takes in studying the Word of God, whatever it takes in building that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we make it a top priority in our life. And we do it right now. Not start on it tomorrow. Listen, I've heard preaching before. You know something? I sit there, and, 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 and sometimes I've been at the altar, and I say, well, dear Lord God in heaven, I'm going to get started on that tomorrow morning. I need to get started on it right now. There's something in your life that's keeping you away from having the relationship that Christ wants to have with you because he wants to have one with us. He wants to have one where we're just alike. But if there's anything at all in your life that's keeping you from doing that, man, I'm going to tell you something. Get out of the altar right now. Come find you a place there. Grab somebody to pray with you and begin to start that process because it is a top priority for the Lord God and for us in our lives. And I ask the question, why? Because the evil day, it says, is coming. The evil day is coming. And can I say this? That's not prophecy. That is a fact. The evil day. What is the evil day? It's a, uh, it, it, it's a particular day or a, a particular time. Uh, you know, put it on so we can be prepared for those difficult times that are coming. When's that day coming? When, that when is that time coming? The battles aren't the same. 
All of us, some of us in here tonight, we're going through a great battle in our life, and your battle may not be like my battle. His battle may not be just like this battle right here. I'm going to tell you something. If we sat down and we talked about some of the things we're going through right now, we'd find out that many of us are experiencing total different battles in here. The evil day is coming. And right now, if you're not going through a battle, get ready because you've just came out of one, but you get ready, you're going to go back into one. Because Satan and his adversaries, they want to trip us up the best that we can. The invisible source, Satan and his adversaries, they don't necessarily come at us each day. You may have that period of time when things are going along good. Specific opportunities is when the enemy will attack. There are certain times when he will find a way to deceive you. We talked about deception the other night. He is good at deceiving because that's where sin started because he deceived, as I said Wednesday night, Adam and Eve. There are specific times that you'll find out that you'll be discouraged. You ever been discouraged? How many people in here have been discouraged? Some of you are being honest with yourselves tonight. I'm going to tell you something. There's been times in my life when I've walked into this church and y'all think that I'm on the mountaintop and I'm about as discouraged as I can get. Just being honest with you. Or some of you that are sitting here tonight, and I'm going to tell you something. You are discouraged to the point that you are just about ready to give up. There's some of you guys that are sitting here and you've been clean for maybe a week, maybe two months, maybe three months, and you're only that far away from giving in and using drugs or drinking alcohol again because the enemy has you discouraged. Watching, he's watching for that day that he has the opportunity to take away the Lord out of your life. Listen to me. We don't have a God that's an Indian giver. When he gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us, he gave him for all of our sin. And when you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and listen to me, truly by faith accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not saying just walk down here and say this flimsy little prayer, but when in your heart you believe, when in your heart you know that Christ saved you, he's not an Indian giver and he doesn't take it away, but the enemy, this warfare that we're in, he is doing his best right now to trip you up and to get it to where you just sort of turn your back on the holy God that sent his precious son to give you a way to go to heaven. Satan there in 1 Peter, we all know this in chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, it teaches us here that the lion prowls around looking for vulnerable prey. Terry, and I, I never really watched a lot of this Nature stuff, but Terry and them, they, they, her mother, they really like it. And so sometimes I watch some of those things that they, when there's not a good Western on, I watch things that they, they have recorded. And just the other night I was watching and there was this group of water buffalo and this lion had come up there and I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. He had gotten one of those and had him by the side of the neck and, and, and that thing wasn't giving up. I mean, man, that thing was down on the ground like this, but he was dug in and he was pushing and that lion couldn't let go because if he let go, that old thing was... And so he was strong enough that he was able to stay there for a few minutes and then other buffalo, finally they got enough in it, which a lot of us Christians won't do. They got over there and they started pawing that thing and kicking him and finally he ran off. 
hate to say this, too often we as Christians, you know what we do? We watch some of those that we love, some of those that we're supposed to love, some of those that are, that are part of our, even our Beacon family. We, we, we just let them lay there and die and wash away because we're not willing to get involved because we're afraid we might hurt somebody else's feet. We, it's just not my place. Man, it's our place to lift one another up every opportunity that we get. But I say this, the, the enemy usually doesn't come when you're on the top of your game. It really doesn't. He watches. He watches your seasons. He watches your cycles. He watches the way that you live your life. And when you're weak, that's when he comes. That lion is usually looking around for that weak prey, for that little animal or something like that. So when they have them, they have them. And they eat them alive. Sometimes he comes when you're in a conflict, maybe with your spouse. Oh, Satan, I believe, is showing up in this virus thing. Got everybody shaking up. Lord, help. I heard we don't have enough respirators. We got a hundred and something thousand respirators, but we don't have enough respirators when this epidemic gets bad. So I guess we're going to have to choose and pick whether you're good enough to get on a respirator or you're good enough to get on a respirator. We're making an epidemic of something that I believe is something to be cautious about and, and to take precautions. God gave us wisdom. But let's don't panic over this. We find that when the stock market drops, that's all I heard last week. Some people lose their true security. Our security is supposed to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. But some people, when the stock market drops the way it is, they lose their true security. You see where their security is? It's in their retirement, not in the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, we have to be careful. That's the way Satan gets into us. Man, he'll get into us when our child or maybe our loved one is, is down in intensive care, is sick, or maybe on their last days or things like that. That's when Satan will attack us, when we're down at our, sometimes at our lowest point. Those times of weakness. He tempts you to think that God's not a good God. God's not for you. So often in our lives as Christians, we truly don't know the Scripture and the enemy. But see, he says to hide his word in, his, in our hearts, we might not sin against him. You've heard me preach a message on that before. We know him by what we know about him in this book right here. And I believe the reason I've said this before, that we hide that scripture in our heart so we might not sin against him because we're going to face sin in our life each and every day, whether you want to meet that or not. You may be one of those groups that believe you can live sinless. God says we can't do that. That's why we needed a savior. But we have to be very careful of not knowing the Scripture and people using it out of context. We were talking about something with a guy in the office. Just It was Monday or Tuesday. I was having a conversation with two men. And one of them used the verse out of John chapter 15, uh, verse 16. But he used the last part. It says, whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in his name. What does it say there? It says that he may give it to you. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting there saying to myself, man, I'm going to tell you something. You're a little bit off there, but I didn't get into a big conversation with him. I'm not going to argue with him. He does give us more than what we deserve. He does answer our prayer when we ask for it. 
But I said to the guy, I said, man, I said, I think you're being deceived there a little bit. Let me read the whole scripture to you there. It says in verse 15, I mean, verse 16 of chapter 15 of John, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, he says, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit shall remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. There's a little bit that goes along with that. Just not necessarily going to ask, and he's going to give it. Not necessarily there. The enemy will attack in our prayer life. You know, you'll pray, and you'll pray, and you'll pray, and, and, and there's something that, that, that is a strong desire of your heart. I think sometimes about how long my mother prayed for me to get saved and never gave up. Same thing for some of you. Some of you have prayed for your children for years and years and years, and, and they finally get saved. But some people will give up on that prayer. How many of us in here, and don't raise your hand tonight, have prayed for something maybe two months ago, and we prayed for it for several weeks, and we don't even think about it in our mind when we go to the Lord to call upon Him? Think about that. We've given up our faith and our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ even answering that. As time passes, sometimes you wonder why God hasn't responded. You've waited. You've gone those two or three weeks or something like that because it's all about the faith. It's what faith's about. And then all of a sudden, sometimes things change the direction that you were wanting them to go. And then you'll hear, and listen, listen to me, I believe every believer sometimes in their life hears something like this, a whisper that, count, that, that casts doubts on the goodness of the God our Father in heaven. The enemy will say something like this. Now, see, God doesn't really hear your prayers. Hear that? Had those times when God, when you feel like God hasn't come through for you and you hear that whisper uh, from the enemy that says, he doesn't really hear your prayers. God really doesn't care for you. You'll start hearing those things. Why give your life to a God who isn't listening. It puts doubt. It puts doubt in our minds. Now, I'm not talking about the Lord God. I'm talking about the enemy. The one that we're in spiritual warfare with, he'll put that doubt into our minds. We forget what 1 John said in chapter 5, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask according to, or anything according to his will, I believe is what it says. That what? That he hears us. See, that's a problem we have. Sometimes his will is not our will. Sometimes in my life, if, if, if I'd have gotten my will out of things, I'd probably been in a whole lot of trouble in the long run. God knows what we need. Maybe you're that single person that's praying for companionship and you don't see God uh, providing for you. You know, you've you got to watch out because old Satan say, hey, man, you're not having a good time like your other friends are. You start wondering, hey, is it even worth me living a pure life or trying to live a pure life? And that voice will call out to you and say, hey, fool. Man, why are you trying to live like that? An enemy's voice will say, hey, man, you're missing all the fun. Why try to live like that? And the next thing you know, Satan 
has gotten us down. Maybe it's that job. I've seen people that have prayed for better jobs or for new jobs, and they get this job, and they're all excited, and they find out it's above their skill level. They can't really get it done. Or maybe the package that they told them they're going to have is not the package they're going to have. Listen, I lost a lot of managers over the years from the chicken restaurant to, to go to work for PepsiCo Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut would come in and offer them a salary, offer them a bonus system, this, 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 and this gets done, and they could make about a third more money working at Pizza Hut than they could at the chicken restaurant for me. But guess what? They never made all those bonuses. It was just too far-fetched for them to do it. And many of those managers would come back and say, hey, you got a job opening for me? I said, well, what happened to all that money you were going to make? Well, they never got there. And that voice will hear. You hear him say, see, didn't he hang you out to dry? That God you're dependent on, has he really taken care of you? Please don't forget what God said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8. Your father knoweth the things that you have need of before we even ask. God knows what we need. God knows what I need. God knows what you need. He knows who that help meet that you need. He knows who that help meet is. Some people will never have that help meet because God's decided that they're better off without that help meet. God knows what we need. God knows if we need a different job before we even have to start to, to, to think about it. Sometimes our problem is, is we can't follow the psalmist there in chapter 27 and verse 14 where it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It's hard to wait on the Lord sometimes, isn't it? I'm the world's worst on waiting on the Lord. I, I, I admit it. Man, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all have heard me say this probably too many times. I bury my face in my chair. In my, I, t today it was a recliner in the office. And I begged God to just do some things. And there's times when I go into my office in the morning time and I get down and I bury my face in that seat and I beg God to do this and I beg God to give us direction there. But get God, I, you know something? I don't even get up off my knees before my little bitty old brain is trying to figure out how we're going to get it done. Yes. God's got it under control. But we just don't want to give him the control. See, we want to control our own lives. And he says, I'm the one that's supposed to be in control. This passage has been written in such an urgent tone that we need to be prepared. You know, I, I thought about this too, and, and, and maybe I shouldn't even touch on this, but God just sort of gave it to me right here. You know, some of the, some of the worst evil days or those times when the enemy has attacked me sometimes in the strongest has been when I have been at the top of my game. It's been when I've had those that fruitful work. I've, I, I've had some of those great victories. I go back to, I go back to our, the last legislative session that I had part of, really. And I think of the victory where God showed up and gave us victory when even some of the people that were helping us out and, and even our attorneys didn't think we were going to get what we should get through that legislative session. And God showed up. As a matter of fact, the Speaker of the House met with me and, 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 and Chip and said, 
listen, we're going to give you everything you want. You've already changed those two things. You did that several years ago. We're going to give you everything you want. Smooth sailing. Man, I went to the office the next day, kicked my feet up on my desk and said, thank you, Lord. That's all taken care of. And then about three days later, because some bozo there in the Senate, I won't call a name. Y'all know who I was talking about if I did. And they are a bunch of bozos up there. But getting involved in something that should have never been involved in as a Christian. And I get a call like at 1130, 1145 one night and says, you need to be here tomorrow because we're coming after you with all the guns blazing. We'll put the bill back up and it's going to be voted on tomorrow. But God gave us a victory. And we won that victory. And I'm sitting there with my feet popped up on my desk, smiling, having a good time, deciding whether I'm going to go fishing today or whether I might go work a horse or two. I'm only going to stay at the office a couple hours because, man, it's just been, God has been so good to us. And then I get a telephone call about Cedar Rescue Mission. And I make that decision to go to see the rescue mission. We had been through one of the strongest battles that we could with our Children's Homes Association. And God gave us a victory that I believe many Christians didn't even believe was going to happen. And then I surrendered to come to see the rescue mission. And then the next thing you know, Leslie dies. You talk about, you've heard me say it before. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I thought I made the worst decision I made my life. I thought that I was fixing to be punished or I was being punished by the Lord God of heaven. See, that's what the enemy will do to you. The enemy will deceive you. The enemy will chew you up and spit you out if you let him. I thought about there was a time before that, not, not just a couple of months before that, we're going through all this, and I'm going to tell you something. I prepared, and I prepared. I was, I, I was speaking at this special meeting, and I prayed, and I prepared, and I prayed, and I prepared, and I'm going to tell you something. God just showed up, and we had, man, we had people saved. We had people at the altar. We had families put back together right there in the house of God. Whew, everything is going good. Man, I'm on top of my game. Sometimes we let that big head get a hold of us. And we forget that it's him, it's not us. I don't know whether I said something like this, but I'm sure that I thought it. Poor God, what? You ever done that preaching? Man, that was a great message. God really used that message. Sometimes we forget that all the glory and all the credit goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we try to take things on ourselves. And that's when the enemy will show up. Maybe I didn't stop and give God all the glory that he's deserved that time. But I'm going to tell you something. I'll get down on myself so bad that I'll literally get depressed when I figure out what I thought that I was doing on my own and not giving God the glory for it. May we never forget the psalmist there in chapter 84 and verse 5 when he says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. See, I have nothing to offer him if I don't walk in his strength. I can't get through the day the way God wants me to get through the day in case I walk in his strength. In case I walk with him the way that he wants me to walk with him. And I can't fight the battles that are before me in case I have girded about 
that girth of truth, that belt of truth, if you want to call it, with that breastplate that covers me from here to there, without the helmet, without my feet shod, or what he talked about in those verses they. But you know, this is what I thought about after picking up the armor in preparation. We are commanded to be vigorously to make a decisive act. There in verse 14 of the scripture right there, it says, stand, therefore. It means to stand our ground firmly. To stand our ground fiercely against the enemy's attack. Again, we don't know when he'll attack, but his goal is to deceive us. It is to accuse us, and sometimes I accuse myself when he puts things like that into me. It's his goal to discourage us. Hey, listen, you'll come to church sometimes, and you'll be high on a kite, and you'll be, man, you're just ready to worship and praise the Lord, and some, somebody will come up to you, and, and they'll suck the life right out of you. The enemy shows up, even the house of God. Oh, I'm not saying that Satan sits here every Sunday morning, but I'm going to tell you something. An adversary of his is here in the house of God. Every church there is. He'll come to deceive us. He'll come to drag us away. But we're to make a decisive act to stand. Again, we don't know when that tack will be, but notice our stance is not an offensive at this time. It says to use those feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I'm not going to go back through and talk about how you're strapped down and how the nails are in there and all that kind of stuff, but he tells us to firmly hold our ground. We need to continue to stand on the ground that we've already been given by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when an army comes in and in war, and I'm going to tell you something, the spiritual war is just as real as the Iraqi war was. World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, all of them. Except it's worse. Because see, if we're not careful, Satan and his adversaries will take Christians and he'll deceive them. He'll get them down and he'll take them away where they no longer have a picture of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, there is nothing church about them whatsoever. But they'll still talk about the Bible. They'll still talk about Jesus. And just as my friends have said to me in the past, how come I need this Jesus you're talking about? There's no difference in me and you. There needs to be a difference in each and every one of us. People need to see the Lord Jesus Christ in us. But in war... When the ground's taken, we don't want it retaken back by the enemy. Matter of fact, there's a lot of time and there's a lot of lives usually given up and taken a specific strategic place. And so the first thing they do is they begin to, they begin to take hold of those specific areas of their because they don't want to give them back. They begin to lock them down. And as I said Wednesday night, 
the Apostle Paul here, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, uses the strongest soldier there was, the greatest soldier back then, a Roman soldier's forte and his armor there to give us a picture. And can I remind us of this? We have that armor that's on us. We have that armor that we can put on us. That Roman soldier has that armor there. But if you'll look at the back of that Roman soldier, there's nothing covering his back because God never meant for us to retreat. God never meant for us to turn our back. God never meant for us to give up what we've already gained. We should not give it up because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Could I challenge you because... I don't want to be late getting out of here tonight, but could I challenge you to go back and read the first three chapters of Ephesians when you get home tonight and see what we've gained there. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but those first three chapters tell us of what we've gained through Christ. Matter of fact, verse 3 there, he tells us that we are adopted in the family because of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 6, he says... He has accepted us. As he looked down from heaven and saw us the way we were, wicked and vile, he still accepted us the way we were. The first chapter of Ephesians there in verse 7 says this right here. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace we've been redeemed we've been forgiven of our sins and we have the grace as preacher preached this morning that we don't even deserve verse 11 there we obtained an inheritance I don't know about you I don't know what my mansion looks like and I don't care if it's just a little room in a shack to be honest with you but Jesus said that I go and prepare a place for you, and he calls it a mansion. We don't even understand what it is not to ever have darkness again in our life. But I want to tell you something. When you're in the battle, when you're in the spiritual warfare, a lot of times there's a lot of darkness in our life where we can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. And most of the time it's because we're not putting on the armor of God. Most of the time it's not, we don't have the relationship that Christ wants us to have. Most of the time it's because we don't know this book. Most of the time it's because we don't hide this book into our heart. So we might not sin against him. Most times it's because we truly have not built the relationship that Christ wants us to have. So we are all armored up. Verse 13 says here, In whom you also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Can I ask today, this tonight, how about you? Are you sealed with the Holy Spirit of God? Do you know Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Are you certain that if this was your last day? Hey, let's say that you get the virus. 
And let's say there aren't enough respirators in Melbourne, Florida. And it's your, t not just your number's fixing to be punched. Do you know that heaven would be your home? Hey, listen, I don't want the virus. Matter of fact, I don't want to get sick. Matter of fact, I don't want to ever go back to the hospital again. And if I could, I wouldn't go back to the doctor, but she makes me once a week. No matter what happens, I know that he's prepared a mansion for me. I know that when that day comes, when Jesus decides to take me home, that I have a heavenly home to go to because of what he did on the cross of Calvary for me. And that day that he was raised from the dead and my acceptance of faith in him. See, I didn't work my way there. If I had to work my way there, I'm like a lot of you. If you had to work your way there, man, I'm going to tell you something, you're going to miss it by about three or four miles, three or four country miles. But through my faith, through your faith, you are saved. And if you are sealed tonight, if you are his child, how are you standing tonight? And can I, can I, are you standing firmly? Are your feet planted on it the way he wants it to be planted? Are you serving him with your whole heart? Are you busy about his business? Can I ask this? Does Satan have a heyday in your life right now? Are you going through something? Maybe tonight, tonight that you need to just turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you need to do a better job in wearing the armor? Or maybe, maybe you like me, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm straightforward. I know people don't like that a lot of times. <clears throat> But there's times I run around the mission and, 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 and I got my belt on, but I didn't bring my sword. Some days, there's days I, I got that breastplate of righteousness on, but I'm going to tell you something, it, 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 it didn't tighten down because I've allowed something to come in between me and the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's called sin. And sometimes when we haven't given that over to him, when we haven't asked his forgiveness, because he says that if we'll ask for it, that he is quick and just to forgive us and to make us whole in our relationship with him. Maybe there's something in your life tonight that you need to totally turn over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand with our heads bowed. Tonight I ask that question again. How well are you doing and putting your armor on each and every day for the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there something keeping you from being able to stand? There's something going on in your life right now that you're under attack and you need somebody to pray with you about it. You step out tonight because we have people that will be willing to walk right down here to the altar and pray with you and help see you through whatever you're going through right now. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, no one looking around. I would be amiss not to ask this tonight. But if you're standing there and you say, Brother Buddy, without a doubt in my mind, if I died tonight, I know that heaven would be my home. I know heaven would be. How many people just raise their hands and say, I know Christ is my personal Lord and say, no, if I died right now, heaven would be my home with their hands lifted high to the ceiling, high to the Lord. Man, hands all over the place. It looks like it may be everybody. I mean, you put them down. Maybe you're standing there tonight and you say, Brother Buddy, if I died right this minute, I'm not 100% sure that heaven would be my home. Would you pray for me tonight? Anybody at all raise their hand and say, pray for me, Brother Buddy. I've just not settled that in my heart.
Would you pray for me tonight, Brother Buddy? I see one hand. You put it back down. I see another hand. I see two more hands. Man, why would you want to settle that in your heart and your mind? I know without a doubt heaven's my home when I check out of here. Won't you step out tonight and let somebody take the word of God and settle that in your life tonight? And maybe you're standing there and say, Brother Buddy, would you pray for me? Man, I'm in a battle right now, and it is kicking my rear. I need some help tonight. Would you pray for me tonight, Brother Buddy? Anybody at all? Raise your hand and say, I got some things going on I need some prayer about. Amen. Anybody else? Amen, 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 amen. The altar's open. You don't have to wait for us to start singing. You step out right now. If you mean business with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to get it right with God, step out right now. If you want somebody to pray with you, step out right now. Father in heaven, I come before you tonight, Lord Jesus, and I give you the honor and the glory. Lord God in heaven, I thank you for loving someone like me. I thank you for loving all of us that are in here tonight, loving the world. Lord, tonight I just... It breaks my heart to see a man or a woman raise their hand not certain about where they'd spend eternity. Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, would you just pull upon their heartstrings a way that they would want to settle that in their life tonight. For those that are struggling, Lord God, for those that are discouraged tonight, Lord God, for those who've been beat up some, for those that are having problems getting through life, I just lift them up to you, Lord. You saw their hands. Father, would you do a work in their life? And we ask these things in the wonderful name of your precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.